Hello, and welcome to the Onyx Yoga Studio podcast. I'm Denise, a teacher at Onyx and podcast host. And today I'm interviewing Gemma, Gemma Denson. Um, Go ahead and introduce yourself, Gemma. Okay, so I am Gemma Denson, um, new name change after a recent marriage um, about not even a year ago, so I'm still very much getting used to it. So formally known as Gemma Golden, which many people have said is a real loss to let go of such a shiny name with gemstones and gold. And, um, and was a yeah, good I'm, name. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a <laughs> yoga teacher. And, um, I think I, I started my training to teach with a bunch of different teachers that currently still teach at Onyx, um, about six years ago. Wow. Um, and I've been there ever since. <laughs> Well, that was actually my first question. So how long you've been teaching at Onyx and it's been what, six years or six years? I think we started the training in like seven years ago, but it's a nine month program. And I started with, um, Shannon was in my teacher training program, even though she was an established teacher, Gabby, Jane, um, Sherry. Yeah. And and you were already teaching, I believe, when we were in training. Yeah, I was teaching. I completed my certification in 2012, and I think you guys did it the year after. So I was like 2011, 2012, you guys were 2012, 2013, something like that. Yeah, and we kind of all found our home there, even though a lot of us, you know, certainly went out to other studios and mm-hmm. taught. But, you know, Onyx is kind of where it's at for us. It's definitely a unique studio in yep. that any style goes, you're really allowed to be your own type of yoga teacher, yep. and, which has been huge. Um, did you practice yoga for a long time before you wanted to, you know, before you realized you wanted to be the, a teacher and do the teacher training? I, not too long before. So I had, I showed up at Onyx. I had recently moved to Morin. And it was the local studio and I walked in. And so I I would say that I started in the summer before my training, because as soon as I started doing yoga, Shannon was my first teacher. Um, I remember being in a forward fold and um, I think she was greatly concerned because, you know, when you really try to lock out the legs and get the legs to straight and touch the floor and I pushing for it. (laughs) Yeah. I was really trying too hard and she was like, "Mm, let's pause here for a moment And I was oddly lucky enough that it was just me and my mom in her class that day. And so it felt very, you know, different. And I had had, and you know, this is something I talk about um, very often at Onyx, but I had had longstanding um, back problems from a back surgery. And so, and at the time I was doing, I want to say almost biweekly visits with acupuncture to give my back relief. And when I started doing yoga for the first time, I think I was just maybe working on something else, trying to do a good down dog. And I realized at a certain point that my back didn't hurt anymore. There was always this persistent pain that I had had for years. And so right away I knew I wanted to teach and, but I also knew I needed to learn Mm -hmm. how to do yoga the right way, especially because I needed, I saw this as a thing that was going to heal my back. So I was probably one of the newer people in the yoga training class, but I really showed up with kind of bare bones, which many would say is ideal because you have nothing to unlearn. Yeah, definitely. But I also, you know, it took me a lot, a bit longer as a result to catch up, but, Mm -hmm. 
but that was, you know, kind of the path that I knew would be right for me. Like I wanted to know how to do it the right way. I was definitely, you know, they always say there's three types of yogis, the mystic, the engineer, and the athlete, which I, I'm not that, yeah. <laughs> but, um, but I would say I'm more of the engineer. I want to know how it works. And so that was where, and some people are a blend of the three of them mm-hmm. in some way or another, but I was definitely the engineer with a lean towards the mystic. That's awesome. Yeah. I actually never heard that before, but I think it's totally true. Part of training. Wow. Yeah. That's, yeah. Um, do you, I mean, it kind of seems like you do now, but do you have a certain preference on like a type of yoga? I mean, you like alignment based being more of an engineer yogi. Um, I th- yeah. I mean, I think that's what I would say. Alignment based. When I started training being so new, I had no idea that there were even different schools of, you know, different types of yoga. So I think I really lucked out in the sense that I ended up being trained in alignment based yoga. And, um, and that's kind of where I stood. I mean, I've certainly, I was very intrigued by Ashtanga at a certain point, which has specific series. And then Hatha obviously is a thing, which I, I'm, I have to admit, I, I don't fully understand what the difference is. I mean, what yeah. is it? Do you know? Well, I mean, not to call you, you know, out, but I actually, I'm not even sure what it's all about. It's interesting because when I first took my yoga teacher training, the 200 hour one, my teacher was big on getting us, getting the group to recognize all the different styles of yoga. And she actually said that, you know, she gave us a list and was like, I want you to find a class at a studio anywhere and take a Bikram class, take an Ashtanga class, take a Jiva Mukti class. You know, there was a whole list. And Hatha was on there. And I actually, you know, everything was vinyasa flow for the most part. Yeah. So I was like, hmm, how am I going to find that? And I did find one, a studio somewhere, you know, called a class Hatha. And the teacher said that, you know, Hatha means like sun and moon and... um that it's, you know, a balancing class, but that's so, it's almost like what yoga isn't balancing, like, you know, um, but the way that I look at Hatha is that it, it's such a broad term, like it could cover vinyasa, it could, you know, there's a lot of things Mm -hmm. under that Hatha umbrella, Mm -hmm. but I think most of the times that I've taken a Hatha class, it hasn't been a flowing vinyasa class it's more like hold the pose come out of the pose tadasana go into another pose um that's been my experience with it i don't know if that's the right thing and i'm glad you mentioned a few others which may be way more detailed than anybody needs but i definitely when you start learning you're so like craving the information Mm -hmm. and so you know and at the time there was no yoga streaming and it wasn't really exploding on instagram yet no and so you didn't get that access so we would go far and wide we would almost take um these kind of caravan trips i think at some point even dig yoga and lambertville i guess yeah called us like the traveling caravan from warren or something like that because we would show up in mass and we did jiva mukti and i think we did jersey city and yeah i think um, Gabby and I even went up to Woodstock, um, one time oh, to that. study with David life and, um, Shannon Gann, Sharon, Sharon Gannon. And yeah. then, um, but certainly vinyasa flow, but I would say as it evolves, which is just so interesting because yoga does evolve and mm-hmm. what it was then you constantly are shifting is even though it's alignment based, but even less stringent, you know, once you encounter Kundalini and you get this totally different access to different types of 
movement, but I would say overall, regardless of the style, just kundalini, or not kundalini, but just movement. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm a lot less rigid about what is yoga and I definitely am about, you just want to be able to move in a, a bunch of different ways. Mm-hmm. So I, that's kind of where I'm at at the moment, but it, it is constantly changing. Yeah. Yeah. I always think to myself, like it is kind of dangerous to be so gung ho about one style because you don't really know, like next month could come and you could be like, you know what? I want to do all restorative this month or, you know, look at Shannon, you know, she went from not being a fan of hot yoga and now she's like, we're bringing the hot back, you know, we're, we're going over a hundred degrees. So it's like, it just ebbs changes. Yes. Yeah. Ebbs and flows. Well, and giving yourself permission to allow something to be different depending on what your needs are in that moment, right. where you are in your life. Like it doesn't have to be so rigid, which, you know, to go back to that beginning where you're so craving, like, tell me the right way, what's right, mm-hmm. what's wrong, rules, rules, rules. But then it's like, okay, I have enough information and we certainly dove into it. You do a 200, you do a 500, and then we all need to know anatomy and yeah. You know, we were really kind of intense about learning as much as you could. And then there's a point where you can just soften. And then that's real, really where the sweet spot is, right? Yep. And, but I, you know, I don't knock what that journey was because it's what I needed in that moment. And mm-hmm. then, but it's nice to be able to really, you know, kind of reform it for myself. Right. And then teach, you know, really authentically teach how you practice, how you like to practice, how you understand it. Well, and that's the other beauty of being at the same studio with the same teachers that you've either, you were taking classes from, like I took your class Mm -hmm. frequently when I was in training and then training with teachers that are still there. And there's this moment definitely for sure where you could step into any one of our classes and it was almost the same thing. Yeah. We were all kind of like cycling through the same stuff. And the beauty of it, I guess, six years plus later, depending on, you know, how long everyone was teaching and practicing is that people really have like to see how it spun out for everybody individually mm-hmm. is so interesting. And yeah. even your teaching has evolved from when yeah. the way you used to teach and then you shifted and kind of downshifted a little bit. Yeah. And then, you know, to where you are now. Yeah. When I first started teaching, I was like the harder, the better, you know, the more fancy, the better. And now, you know, at this time, like, I just don't practice as many, like, fancy poses. Um, the peak I love, pose was such yeah. a trend. Yeah. yeah. I really like now just, like, a balanced practice, you know, where I feel like, okay, you know, I take an hour or 75 minutes if I can um, and do something that's going to, you know, hit all the big muscles, you know, that's going to make me feel like I really worked a lot in the time that I have, but not necessarily working towards a pose, you know? And that's how I've been teaching lately because that's how I've been practicing. I might be in a similar way, but I do hear a lot that your class is so different. And, And I don't know why I hear it, but I think because I'm just moving in the way that I want to move. I'm not, it's not because I'm, you know, chasing a peak pose, but I definitely want to move in different ways. And even like you said, the big muscles, but I, you know, have, especially with the access on Instagram, I have found more movement-based teachers Mm -hmm. where, and even, you know, some of them like Tracy Anderson, which isn't yoga at all, but certainly has yoga poses, 
you can see her focus on accessory muscles and so kind of working different areas and then um, yoga teachers that are more PT based because mm -hmm. you know as I get flare-ups in my back I've had to go to PT while I'm teaching yoga taking yoga and trying to incorporate that piece into it mm -hmm. and really allowing all of it to come in and you know the the back flare-ups are not specific to yoga I mean so you know I just have that's just going to happen like I've mm -hmm. actually all my injuries have actually been off the mat but then the healing occurs on the mat for me right and so I'm always just and that is always changing too and so I'm always mindful and, and so grateful for the practice because you know and then you just add it all in yep so. yep do you have you know teachers that you consider your greatest influences so right now if I had to call out um, teachers so greatest influences obviously are you know my first teachers of I was trained by somebody named Amy Mead um, I think now Amy Port who I don't even know if teaches anymore um, Shannon was a big influence in the beginning because um, she kind of just took us on a ton of yoga adventures mm -hmm. and you know like she was always bringing something new but I get a lot of my um, access to new ideas on Instagram there's a lot of content on there so I absolutely um, I don't actually follow Tracy Anderson but she has certain people that take her streaming and they give good content every week so I peek at it and I just get the inspiration and it's sometimes just a cycle of a movement. I abs absolutely follow um, Laura Hyman in Princeton. Mm -hmm. She's and awesome. I think she's super mindful. And then um, Gabby turned me on to Jenny Rawlings, who is also, you know, similar in that type of movement style. And then more traditionally, um, you know, of the yoga superstars, um, I won't even say it right, but Dice. Um, oh, Dice Ida Klein or yeah, Dice something Lita like Klein. that. But yeah. he, you know, it's just very inspiring to watch the way he moves. He calls them moving meditations, mm -hmm. which I'm into that. Yeah. Know. He's so talented. Yeah. Yeah. He, um, well, when I was teaching a lot to a peak pose, I would actually take his class a lot on Yoga Glow because he teaches like that. You know, a lot of yeah. his classes are very challenging. And mindful at the same time. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I definitely went through a phase with Dice. Yeah, well, yeah. and even without the peak coat, there's something about the moving in a different way. Like, you know, because sometimes it's like, you know, why do you think you only have to go forward and backwards? Like, mm -hmm. move yourself around the mat. Maybe your foot steps off the mat, you know? Yeah. And I just find that piece of it to be more and more interesting. Right. Of, you know, because I think even... I'm sure I heard this in some other podcast, but, you know, you want to be able to move in many different ways, right? Mm -hmm. Not just, you know, you go this way, it's a 90 degree bend and you can't go lower than this or higher than that. And it's like, but you do want to be able to move in all different yeah. ways and not just that rinse, lather, repeat. It's this way every time. Yep. And so it's always that kind of push pull between you know, a playing with it. Right. right. It definitely keeps up the curiosity too, because especially That's the longer you practice, you know, especially if you're somebody that started with Ashtanga or started with Bikram where that's, um, same the same sequence over and over, yeah. you know, at a certain point, a lot of us get bored and, you know, vinyasa, although it's, uh, the teacher has the freedom to create a vinyasa sequence, yeah. there's definitely trends of like what poses come before, you know, what pose groups come before another pose group and, mm -hmm. you know, moving 
stepping from the top, uh, the back of the mat to the front of the mat, you know? So there's, there's definitely a strong possibility of just getting bored. And I think that as a yogi trying to be present, which is so much of the practice, you start to check out when you know what's coming next. Yes. So teachers that keep playing with the curiosity and, you know, testing things, I mean, there's just, there's so much to be said about that with just the conversation of evolving yoga. Yeah, I have. So, and I've noticed sometimes there's two different types of students. There are some people that are like, yes, I'm in it. And it, it creates such focus. Yeah. You know, and, but if you're the yogi that shows up and you're like, I just want to check out, move, flow. Yeah. Like mindless, that my class will maybe not be the right one because you kind of, there's nothing that's just going to be, mm-hmm. you know, obvious. And, and so... But I mean, I hope my students feel the same way about it, but even in the teaching for myself, the greatest feeling I have in that moment is, you know how you can just have your minds distracted running everywhere. You know, it's so kind of specific in how I'm teaching and none of it is, I do try to change it every week. Sometimes I'm just continuing to enhance, but I have to focus so much. And they talk about that concept of the now. And so there's nothing else I can do in that room for that hour and 15 Mm -hmm. minutes, but think about actually what I am doing in that moment. And it's such a great channel. And then hopefully the students are having the same experience. So all that stuff that was distracting you and, you know, making you be not in that present moment, you know, hopefully like, so it's still, the mind is working just as hard as the body. Absolutely. And then, and I guess just to, go back quickly to like, when you talk about who's your teacher inspirations, like in the beginning, it's great and easy to be like, okay, that's what they did. That's what I want to do it. But what I have found is you can access all of, you know, these different sources, right? Um, you know, this particular sequence, this particular teacher, you get a snippet from here, but there's a piece of it that you have to be able to integrate, take internally and spin it out in your own unique way. Otherwise, like you said, it's not authentic and and it won't come across as, so there's a way to, you know, for me, that creativity and seeing what someone else is doing and then figuring out how to spin it out in my unique Mm -hmm. way. That's where most of my creative creativity is, but it's certainly an influence, you know, you have to find a way to make it your own. To make it your own. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Otherwise, you know, we could all just be on an app and, you know, without a teacher really in front of you and without, just that kind of personal connection that you have with your community. You know, a lot of that comes from liking a teacher at first. You know, mm-hmm. you, you go to a teacher, you like the teacher, you go back, you find similar people that keep going back. And, you know, there's, yeah, there's definitely the job of the teacher is to make it their own. You know, take what you learned from your teachers and your inspirations, but yeah. also you know, make it sound like Gemma. This is Gemma's class. And yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's the other thing as well is that in my class, I feel like there's so many, I give so many options because it's so important to make it your own practice. Like Mm -hmm. I can guide, I'm definitely believe like you have to teach the pose. Like I'm not just calling out, you know, the pose and being like, good luck to you all. By the way, it's in Sanskrit. Enjoy that. (laughs) You know, like I I look around. Yeah. I've let that go a little bit. Yeah. I'm not going to demo it for you, but somebody else maybe. (laughs) No, I I will definitely teach it. And, and I do demo it because of the movement sometimes different, but, um, but I think always, always like own your practice because I can, you know, offer it up all day long, but it's like, 
I want people to have that experience of really figuring out what's right for them. And yeah. so it's like, you know, I think about sometimes I used to take classes where they'd be like, and hold it longer, longer. Uh-huh. And I'd be like, no, 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 no. <laughs> so I'm always like, you know, make it your own. Like, yeah. you know, if you need to take your side plank and do some extra thing and that's where your body wants you to move, like that to me is the sweetest spot when you see somebody be like, and then I just really need to go this much further yeah, or or not or child's pose right now. Yeah, and I love that because it's like that's their practice in that moment. Yeah. Do you? Um, I mean, would you say that you have kind of challenges as a yoga teacher? Do you think that there's something that's you know makes the job the most challenging or? So I, it's a little tougher. I I think you always want to make sure that you know, you're seeing the, stu- the student that's not just up, me up there doing my own thing with zero connection. Like, you know, people are showing up there for one reason or another, and you need to find in some way to connect. Mm-hmm. I am more of an introvert and have some kind of just, you know, childhood shyness that probably never goes away. And so my tendency is to be more reserved. And so it's, you know, like you would sit in the front of the room and you're like, people walk in, hi, how are you? Like you have this like thing you set, like people are walking in, you're connecting. So you do it very well. It's not my most natural thing, but I think at the very least, you know, what is more natural is I can see everybody in the room. I can watch Mm -hmm. their practice. I can connect with them, but I may not be like as snappy, snappy of like, you know, the, the gift of gab, so to speak. Right. No, yeah. that makes perfect sense. But that would be my I, greatest challenge and it's more of a personal challenge. But and but I also think ultimately like you're there for the students, like right. connect to them. Right. You know? Yeah. Do you think that you know, since teaching yoga, do you think that you know, teaching yoga has changed your experience of practicing yoga? It has. So in the beginning Well, and it's evolved. So some of this I already said, like the way I, you know, took yoga in the beginning and what I was interested in is way different than what it is now. But in the space of becoming a teacher and kind of rising up and, and, you know, pursuing that, it became a little bit, I don't even know how to say it, but it, you ended up, so I would take everybody's classes and you become hyper aware of being Mm -hmm. a teacher while you're trying to practice and all that person said something wrong. And there's like a a little bit of criticality that comes into play that really takes away from your practice. Even though I don't consider myself to be a judgmental person, even if I'm not commenting on it, I'm aware maybe of somebody else that's commenting on Mm -hmm. it. And, and so it starts to kind of like strip away a little bit. You start to not be in your practice as much. And I have found that I, I stepped back from because mm-hmm. I, I found like it was shifting in a way for me that didn't feel right. I actually practice more at home, yeah, and so I can connect more. And it really, by doing that, helped me return to what my practice is rather than the noise of it. But all of that said, what I loved most about practicing and you know going to a yoga studio was the community, and that was very much a big priority for me. I could come in. I see, you know, the members, the other teachers, and it was wonderful. Like Mm -hmm. you're so connected. It's such a positive place. So 
you know, but even that shifts in a way because you shift. I, I moved out of the town, so I'm not there as frequently. Yep. But it, so there was parts of it where I was like, oh, it's not what it used to be and it was changing, but ultimately the practice is better as a result. I don't know. It's a complicated topic, yeah. but there was certain parts of it that when you become a teacher, the practice, your pr- practice personally gets implicated. And I would say to future teachers, like you really have to work to protect your practice. Yeah, I think that's yeah. that's actually why when I was thinking of some of the questions and, you know, that's why I put it on there because I think that it's so relatable to teachers and it's not, um, about? It's not talked about and it's also unexpected because mm-hmm. a lot of people that go into yoga teacher training are – they just, you know, they're go- they're in they're in the training because they love yoga so much, and typically they love practicing yoga at a studio at that time. And then, um, I feel like at a certain point for me, you know, it felt like a lot of pressure going, like putting on myself, you know, going to classes and not just taking them for myself, but the pressure to like analyze or, you know think about what this teacher's doing and, oh, am I doing enough of that? And, you know, it, I thought more, it was almost like every time I took a class for a while, I was sitting in the back taking notes on the class, you know, not literally, but in my head, sometimes in we my head. Yeah. Were. Like sometimes we would just be like, cause there, like I said, there was no other access for information yeah. and we would show up with notebooks and it really, it, I would say that, you know, set the pen down, Remember, it's your practice because yep. like, you're so, I mean, and there are a lot of other resources now for content mm-hmm. but back then. It was like, this is where I'm getting my inspiration for the day. And then it's that part of it where you're like, but that's not where I want to move right now. Like, and that's yeah. when you begin to realize, like, even though you think you're critiquing, but you're actually hyper aware of how you want to move at this point as well, mm-hmm. because you d- are developing your own practice. And all of a sudden we were like, am I ready to do someone else's practice? Mm-hmm. So it becomes this weird thing. But I would say the best thing is focus on yourself, focus on your practice. Don't look like, even what we say when you're taking yoga, like don't look at the mat next mm-hmm. to you, I guess, unless, you know, the person's calling out Sanskrit and you don't know what it yeah. is, but like it really make it your own. And I would say, even as you become a teacher and continue to practice, you still have to really own that yeah. experience. And at some point too, it's like, you know, I said to myself, all right, you just have to stop taking it so seriously, to be honest. Like, you know, you take it seriously enough while you're in the training and, you know, you're paying attention and you're there to learn, but you know, it's also just your yoga yoga. practice. It's just yoga. So it's okay to go to a class and just experience the class as a student. You know, Mm -hmm. you don't have to overthink it. And and I remember, so speaking back to the kind of that shyness, of like, cause sometimes the yoga teacher walks out of the room is replaying like what just happened here. Like you're trying to get back in your body mm-hmm. and you're like, Oh, and then I made that mistake or I said that word wrong. And we would torture ourselves like, Oh my God, yeah. the pain, the pain. Yeah. And now I'm like, I, I can laugh about now. And so for me, that's also a huge growth, like because to have that painful shyness and to be like, you know what? I got it all wrong, yep. but I laughed it off and people keep on moving and, and it's just yoga and you just are like, and that there's a certain freedom in there and healing for myself yeah. personally that teaching yoga has created for me. Yeah. Know? Off the mat, right? Like not just as a yoga teacher, oh, yeah. but just in life. Like, like I can stand up in a room which is another kind of ballsy thing to be like, yeah. I want to be that person standing up in the front of the room yeah. and I'm going to spin it out for you guys and whatever I've decided this week. Like, and it's kind of just like, 
I compared it sometimes. I, I must have been watching like comedians in mm-hmm. cars or something, getting coffee, where I was like, we might just be like comedians that are just constantly working on material that might be bombing sometimes, yeah. especially when you're learning, right? Like, I think I yeah. bomb a little less, but I, I over over related to the comedian thing. I was like, maybe sometimes it goes terribly wrong. Well, it's so funny because the Sorry, other guys. day, <laughs> yeah, the other day, I I literally thought that to myself because Matt and I were talking about. I don't, some comedian and, um, I'm like, man, what they do, like just going up in front of a room and telling their jokes, like putting themselves out there. Like that's just incredibly like brave and nerve wracking. And Mm -hmm. I don't know that I'd be able to do it, but then you think like, it's it's a smaller scale, but you know, we just go into a room and give our best shot, Yeah, <laughs> put ourselves even, out there and, you know. So then, as you said, you touched on like for a minute that yoga off the mat. Well, now I have the opportunity every week to work on my opportunity to stand up and mm-hmm. present something, you know? And so, yeah, and it's that, you know, what is it? The certain number of hours you do something that's essentially what is required to make you an expert mm-hmm. in anything. So you don't get better if you're not doing it. Yep. And so just to be able to improve on, the communication skills, which for me was always a, a tough area. Yeah. You know, bit by bit, I'll take it. You yeah. know, like, thank you. And I know, like, in addition to teaching yoga, you have a corporate job, right? And I do. Do you find that, you know, your time as a yogi, a teacher, a practitioner, just someone who practices yoga, do you find that that helps you navigate your corporate life? In some ways, yes, because I have what I imagine is understanding for days, not all the time, but mm-hmm. it's always the, the yoga tools help me the most off the mat. And where do you even go from there? It's just an outlook. Like, so it's obviously now we're not talking specific to the, the poses, but just, well, I think for me, one of the greatest, like first yoga teacher training stories that had the greatest impact and Shannon will probably, you know, die that I'm telling the story at one outside of teacher training. She didn't tell the story, but she always knows that it's my go-to repeat of like, um, the, our teacher sat at the front of the room and said, and held up a pen and said, what is this? And we all said, it's a pen. Obviously it's a pen. And, um, and she was like, okay, you know, why do you think it's a pen? Does it, it, cause it has pen qualities. Like you can write with it. Like what's it all about? And then she was like, well, what about, though, for a dog? Is this a pen for a dog? And you think, well, maybe. She's like, this is a chew toy for a dog. And so it gets you in that mindset of, like, what you think is one thing, that softening of allowing something to be something else. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, this is obviously before all the great debate about, like, what's really, you know, fake news and all this stuff. Yeah. And and this was years before any of that kind of became more part of our, our cultural, um, norm, but it allows you suddenly to shift slightly away from the rightness and the wrongness. Like, Oh, I'm right. Somebody Mm -hmm. else is wrong. And so that's the beginning of the yoga off the mat. And so, and I was lucky enough when I went to corporate, I've only been, I mean, I was in law firms for many years, which is a very tough environment, but I've only been in corporate for four years, still in the, um, legal support area. But I had an amazing head of our department who, when he was interviewing me, which they put you through a lot of like, I don't know, I probably had like five interviews or something like that with different people. And, and I remember him just asking, 
you know, um, what's your ideal work environment? And I remember being like, what was that? <laughs> like, is, is that an option? Like it had never even occurred to me to think about that. Like I could have any control about my work environment and where he was going with it is that, you know, certainly having probably worked in a, you know, many different jobs himself, he, it's for him, the decision is based on people. Like, I mean, sure the skill, but it's also what type of people do you want to work with? And, and it's like, I'm not going to be hiring anybody that is, you know, climbing over other people to advance. And so he really set the tone and really, I mean, our department for that piece, it's not to say every area goes smoothly, but he really sets that tone and to realize the strength that a leader can bring to the table, which isn't really, you know, yoga off the map, but those are the things. So realizing that somebody's not always right versus somebody being wrong, knowing the importance of the tone that's being mm-hmm. set, and then knowing and recognizing those moments when suddenly you're angry about something or you're even just the hurt feelings, which maybe, you know, happens more often than most, but to know that that's your ego first yeah, and that you can dial that down. And then, okay, if something is challenging or difficult, that's usually the first flag that maybe this isn't the right way. Like take mm-hmm. a minute, reapproach, reassess. Like when you are over efforting in anything, and this isn't specific to corporate, just like a yoga pose. Yep. If you're trying to force that arm balance, like what do we always say? It just comes when it's time to come. And yep. so if you're working on some project and just like getting in delay after delay. And I mean, I had a similar uh, situation very recently where it finally dawned on me that this isn't working. Like after trying, I was like, there needs to be a reset. Like, you know, in some scenarios you feel like you have the flexibility to reset. Sometimes you feel like that isn't an option, but I think it's at least a conversation Yeah, because it should be more effortless you know, with the pose, there should be like, you look for the open pathways, anything where you're suddenly going to battle or, you know, feeling that heat and conflict or the ego, like that's the checkpoint, right? To what can be reset, reevaluated. And then finally, just understanding for days, everybody for the most part thinks they're a good person doing good things. So those people that you imagine you're having these great challenges with, Maybe it's just, you need a knowledge reset with them. Maybe you don't have a common language about what you're trying to discuss. Maybe there needs to be more information sharing, um, on your part, because I often, I made a lot of assumptions that people had all the information that I had in the Mm -hmm. area I specialize in. And what I realized is maybe sometimes they don't want to say that they don't. And so you're not going to get very far if there's not a knowledge build and that true collaboration. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I, I mean, sorry, I keep citing Gabby, but you know, she's my best friend and she, that's the real yoga off the mat. Gabby just talking to me and we work through everything yeah. every day. But she says all the time to me, like as I'm going to work and being like, I'm going to work on this and that. And she's like, that's your real yoga off the mat. Sometimes yeah. I go there and I just try to rake you a situation that's challenging. Like totally tried to use manifestation at work yeah. and it's worked. <laughs> Oh. We'll, like, talk. You know, we'll talk about our tools. Yeah. I, well, what but you're just saying, to create that energetic, like space yeah. when things are challenging, like we're having like a merger right now, people are getting a little like uncertain about yep. things. Like it gets stressful and you just have to be calm in the eye of the storm and mm-hmm. maybe just be like, I'm going to do some breath now. Right. You know? And just the, um, you know, what I'm hearing is like just the, ability to be mindful in these situations that are often really stressful 
Like, I think that's the work of a yogi, right? Like, just keeping that calm, groundedness, even in times where everything seems really stressful. And, and it's too easy to say, that person's the failure. Yeah. That, like, to point the finger. That's yep. way too easy. And it's always that person that is actually, like, with the least amount of power, yep. the lowest common denominator. It's like, who are you trying to throw under the bus? Like, those are, right. by the way, the flags to look for. Because those people exist, you know, not that... But the yeah. people think they're doing good things, so you have to have understanding for that, yep. too. Like, what's driving that... And sometimes you just recognize that's someone's bad habit Mm -hmm. and that they have no awareness of. Right. You know? So it's a, you know, these are things I work through a lot, often, you know? And just having the, um, you know, just the openness to be like, okay, you know, even though it's stressful, it's figure outable. Like, I think that that, that's definitely yoga off the mat. And, you know, a while ago I was telling my friend and her husband, because they live near Onyx, I'm like, you should really check out the studio. And, you know, they're into fitness. They're not really into yoga at the moment. Um, but the husband actually said, cause he works a corporate job and he, you know, he likes being a businessman and he was like, you know what, maybe we will, because I've heard like over and over again that a lot of successful people do yoga and they meditate, and he's like, I don't know why that a lot of successful people do it, but yeah. I want to be successful, and, you know. So I think twofold. I think that moment where for one hour I am blocking out all of that stress, mm-hmm. I get a full reset in that moment. And a little bit sometimes of that kind of yoga euphoria that follows, yeah. that feels pretty good, even though that's when you see everybody leave their car keys behind, forget their jacket and be like, <laughs> forget their mat. How many yeah. mats do we have? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> water bottles, forget it. I've seen shoes in the cubbies and like someone left without shoes today. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Oh, especially when the weather's changing, you come with the coat, don't forget you need your coat. And then like winter's here and you're like, I, I don't know where I left my coat. So there's that part of it. So that's the relief from the actual asana practice. Right. But absolutely. Um, I have, you know, oddly enough, one of the heads of another department I work closely with um, is very closely connected with yoga, and she does these amazing meditation programs, and she spins out so much productivity and kind of achievement, and my manager asked her once, like, how do you do it? And she's like, meditation. Like, that's awesome. You know, because there's got to be such a stillness and a clarity of mind when you're in that space, and like, because depletion's not an option, you know, you still have to be producing, I guess. Yep. Your tasks are there. But it's very interesting to watch how it works well for some people. And I absolutely know it's a tool for success for her. Yep. You know? Yep. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think that is a common reason more than maybe we realize, but I think that is a common reason why people start doing yoga because the mental benefits they hear or you know, sometimes you see, like, I remember when I started doing yoga very regularly, I actually had people in my life saying like, D, you're kind of, you're different. Something about you is different. I don't know what, you know, what it is, but, and I think it was just like the, the calmness and the, well, the calmness, but you also, I, I'm, cause I'm thinking back to one of the comments that you mentioned that I don't even know, I don't think she's currently your boss, but one of your old bosses told me, but there's a piece of it of yoga that gets you out of yourself mm-hmm. and it's service-based. And, yep. and so when you're approaching work or whatever, and if you're just thinking about how can I make this work for people, how can I give them what they want? How can I give this practice where it gets you out of that 
super self-focused, which, you know, if you have anxiety, there's likely a hyper-focus on self. You're feeling everything all the time. And so when you look outward and you can think more about service. So I remember once upon a time, like, cause you also did your corporate and yoga and your manager was like, whatever, Denise, go out and save the world. But (laughs) kind of a good headspace to be in. Yeah. Like why not? You're taking some more time off. Like, you know, plant a tree. (laughs) I don't know what what Yeah. Cause I was taking a lot of time off to do the 500. (laughs) Service. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that may have been for us too, but ultimately others. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. What do you like to do outside the yoga studio? I don't know. I don't like, I, I definitely like to relax. I always say I'm like a, a queen relaxer. Like I, I see it actually. I appreciate more more and more. You've seen people, at least in the magazines I've read where they're like, I like to do nothing. So yeah. I can really appreciate doing nothing. I have a cat. really love the cat. Like you'll routinely hear me say, I'm going to go home and hang out with my cat. <laughs> I'm obviously newly married. And so we really, you know, still enjoy spending time together. I hope that lasts. I mean, the marriage for sure. But, you know, like people always say things change. But, you know, so I, I just like to hang out. But, okay, what do I actually Hanging out is valid, man. I, I mean, like to take trips. I mean, the, it's a luxury that I quite travel. enjoy. Yeah I, yeah. I used to definitely be like, okay, I'll wait to live my life while I'm traveling. I think I'm slightly more integrated and balanced in my life now, but I really enjoy my our trips together. Well, yeah, so that's it. There's a husband, a cat, and doing And nothing. yoga. A husband, oh, and a cat, yoga. yoga. Trips. Trips. Yeah. That sounds ideal. So... All right. Well, on that note, thank you so much for doing the podcast. And yes. Well, thank you for doing this. I'm actually cannot wait to listen to everybody. Hear them. And even, you know, the community and like just to see how this spins out. So yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you for listening. Bye everyone.